Good morning, West Hills. I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. It's a little bit different today, but uh, I'm excited about it. And it's this is a great test for us, honestly, because as we think about the model that we're we're doing at West Hills Elementary, um, there's always a, a chance that someday um, the school is not an option for us. And so a great test for us as a church, and, and I'm excited to see um, what God does in your home today. And I'm, I'm confident of this, that uh, it, where two or three are, are gathered, there he is. And uh, I see this in the book of Acts all the way through, uh, that they were meeting around in each other's homes. They were meeting in the synagogue. They were meeting all over the city. And they were experiencing the move of God. And so my expectation is as we open up the word today, as we worship together today, as we pray together, as we break bread, um, it sounds a lot like the early church. And so what an awesome opportunity that this is today. And uh, I'm excited to do this with you guys. So my prayer is uh, that the Lord would speak as we open up His Word. It's very interesting as we plan out the year of, of preaching. We're, we're months ahead, and we just so happen to be talking about a story in Luke 12. Our series has been uh, stories that help us see. And this is one story that helps us really understand and see the kingdom, the kingdom that we're a part of and the kingdom that we're actually called into. And so if you've got your Bibles today, uh, it'll be on the screen, but uh, check out Luke 12 with me. And I want to start by reading, starting in verse 13, and we're going to go to 21. And uh, starting in verse 13, it says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do for have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Now, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, let me give you a little context for the story. Because right before this story, uh, the crowds are clamoring to come and hear Jesus talk. And Jesus does a couple things when he's talking. So sometimes he will address a a large crowd and he'll, he'll teach. But then other times the crowd is observing and he looks over to a certain group of people and he'll say a special word. That's exactly what happens here. The crowd is clamoring to get to Jesus. And yet he looks down at his disciples, his closest friends, and tells them, Hey guys, listen. Be careful about the teachers of the law these days. Be careful about what they're saying. And he says this. He says, what is said in the darkness will come to light. And right when he begins to say these things, a man from the crowd speaks up and says, Hey, hey, I I want you to help me with something. Uh, Tell my brother to give me the inheritance that is mine. (laughs) My mind goes crazy when I think about this story because... Jesus makes this bold statement, not to the crowd, but to these people that are his close friends and these people over here. But what he had just said is, 
what's been said in secret will come into light. I wonder what the story is behind this. I wish we knew. But I can't help but think if inheritance is involved, if money's involved, if you like murder mysteries like I do. I'm addicted. I've watched murder mysteries 24-7. And I, I just got to think about maybe there's some drama in the background between this family. But Jesus says something very, very interesting. He says this in verse 14. He says, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? The word here literally means divider. Man, who made me the divider over you? But if you continue down into chapter 12, verse 51, Jesus makes another really bold statement, and he says this, Do you think that I've come to give peace to, on earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. What is he saying? He said, man, listen, I'm not a divider over you. But then at the end of this chapter, he's saying, listen, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to be a divider. What is Jesus actually really saying when he's saying this? You see, when a kingdom is taken over, uh, there's lines of demarcation that are drawn. Uh, the land is divided under authority. Whatever possessions within the lines of demarcation that are drawn, whatever possessions exist within those kingdoms, they fall under the rulership or authority of that kingdom. You see, what this man wanted was his own kingdom. And he wanted Jesus to help him form his own kingdom. He wanted his own possessions. He wanted his own rules. And he said, Jesus, help me get what I really want for myself. And Jesus says, listen, I'm not that kind of divider. But what Jesus states at the end of chapter 12 is, oh, I came to divide. I came to set up a kingdom, a kingdom that's going to last forever. And here's the good news for us. We have been invited into that kingdom, a kingdom with a really, really good king. But the invitation is, would you join his kingdom? And that's what we want to talk about a little bit today. The man asking the question was interested in his own kingdom. Uh, of which he deserved more. Uh, Jesus wasn't interested. So Jesus gives this fair warning in verse 15. And this, I believe, is a warning that's timely for us today. He says, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life, you can underline that, you can think about this, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This is what real life really is. And Jesus wants us to be on guard. Take care and be on guard against this way of thinking. Don't think that your life is simply what you have gathered for yourself, the lines of your demarcation, the lines of demarcation of your kingdom. And it, for many of us, if you're anything like me, um, sometimes in my life, I look at the lines that I've marked out for myself and my kingdom, and I find great worth in what I've produced for myself. And I find that this is the way of the world. This is what everyone is after. Build the bigger kingdom. Get the more. And whoever has the most toys at the end of the game really wins. It's kind of like the, the, the game Monopoly, right? At the end of the game, whoever has the most wins. And I find in the kingdom of God, it's a little bit more like maybe the game of Uno, if you ever played Uno. I, I really like the game Uno. Most frustrating game ever as well. Um, but the game, the, the, the key to this game is you want to get rid of all of your cards first. And so it's a very, very different way of thinking about kingdom. But Jesus actually encourages us that the abundance of our life is not found at the end about what our kingdom really may look like physically. 
it's a little bit different. But do you ever find yourself going down the interstate uh, and you're just rolling with the flow of traffic? And you start thinking about something and you're driving and driving and all of a sudden you realize you are not going where you thought you were going and <laughs> you're just rolling with the flow. I do that a lot. Uh, but if you focus on the wrong destination, you'll drive in the wrong direction. But you remember this, if you focus on the wrong destination, you'll drive in the wrong direction. Be on guard. Jesus gives us all a fair warning because it's for all of us, uh, as the flow of the world moves in a certain direction, it gets very easy sometimes when we lose focus, we start thinking about something else, and we just start rolling along with everybody else. Jesus says, listen, and this is a word for the church today, all of us, guys, be on guard. Um, and in this season where everyone seems to be moving in a certain direction, I want to encourage us as the church, um, we can think maybe a little bit differently. The man had a legit problem, though, that he faced. According to his own evaluation, he was out of space and he had a lot of property. He had to figure out what to do. So Luke 12 in verse 17, he says, What should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I don't know what to do with my stuff. I have too much stuff. It's a good problem to have, right? And then verse 18 and 19, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. He says, I will. Check out how many times he says, I will. I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there, this is what I, I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, then I'm going to say, always thinking in the future, then I'm going to say, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. One day, one day, I'm finally going to eat, drink, and relax and be merry. I'm going to go on my retirement because I'm going to have everything I ever could have imagined. I'm finally going to make it one day. One day, I'm going to make it. But until then, I haven't made it, so I'm dreaming about what I'm eventually going to do. You know, today, uh, the, heart, the heart of a fool is never really at rest. And that statement I want to unpack a little bit because this guy is always looking to the future for which he is trying to build. And he's never really ever there. He's never entered the land of rest. All through the scriptures, uh, when you enter the kingdom of God, it talks about this kingdom of rest. That when we come to Jesus and he gives rest for our souls, there's actual true rest that we actually can experience through Jesus. And I, I believe this, that no person outside of Jesus truly has rest because you actually haven't found the thing you are looking for. You're always looking for the next thing that's coming down the line until Jesus, the author, perfecter, and finisher of it all, brings peace to our soul in a way that this world can never quite bring. So if you don't have Jesus today, then chances are uh, you haven't experienced a true rest. But I want to encourage you today, um, if that's you, Oh, you're not alone. Personal experience, I understand what you're saying. And many, many of us do too. If you're in a home with a life group today and you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't got peace. I don't know what he's talking about. Then I encourage you, talk, talk to your life group today. Talk to the people in your home. Call somebody that might, that you just think might have peace today. And ask them the question. Ask them questions about what it looks like to have the peace of God. Um, we understand. But peace is close to you. Peace is available to you, and His name is Jesus, and I believe He wants to meet you today. The heart of a fool is never really at rest. That might sound harsh, but 
um, let's, let's continue. Today, I believe many people search for rest and have many ideas of actually how to get there. I, I ran into uh, a girl not long ago. She was young, had just found Jesus, just met him, so excited. And she was going to travel the world and she was going to begin sharing about this thing that has absolutely set her free, transformed her life, gave her the peace that I was just talking about. And so she decided that she was going to leave everything behind here, came from a really wealthy family, and she was going to travel the world. And I got a phone call, and it was actually her father. And they knew me, and he said, Now listen, Jay, I, uh, my, my daughter's thinking about going overseas, and she wants to tell people about Jesus. And I think that's great. You know, I think that's great. But I, I'm just, you know, Jay, like, I'm just really struggling with it. And there was a big pause on the phone. I could tell it was awkward. He goes, I know this isn't sounding good, but would you just call her and tell her maybe she should just stay? <laughs> and I said, you want me to say what? And you see, this, these people, they, they've been in church their entire life, know, the good, know about the good news, but haven't quite found that Jesus is the peace they're looking for. And so the peace-filled way, the most restful way, was not for her to travel and talk about Jesus. The restful way was for her to have the good life. And they have an idea of what the good life is. I heard a story in the early 1900s of a man named William Borden. He graduated from Hill School in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. This prestigious high school. And upon graduation, he was headed to Princeton. Uh, he had big plans. His, his family was very, very wealthy. I believe they were miners. And uh, William received Jesus. He met Jesus, and he received the peace that I'm talking about. Rest filled his life. Same story. He was very excited about this newfound rest, newfound peace that he had in his life. And so he committed his entire life to go over in Asia, and he was going to share the good news in Asia. Upon leaving, there was people, friends, family, who said, Are you sure about this? At the age of 25, uh, William is off on the, on this, on, in, in Asia, and about a year into his ministry, he contracted a, a spinal meningitis. And upon receiving this disease in his body, his body began to waste away. And it's rumored that at key points in his life uh, that Borden wrote a series of phrases in his Bible and while he struggled with his desire to become a missionary against his father's heavy disapproval in his life, he wrote, no reserves. Toward the end of his time at Yale, where he had started his Bible study, uh, attending about three-quarters of the school's population was attending his Bible study there, um, he wrote, no retreats. And as he lay dying of spinal meningitis in Cairo, actually, in Egypt, he wrote, no regrets. You see, the rich man in our story thought that he had no regrets because his barns were full. He could finally enjoy all that he had accomplished. What do you believe the more is for you today? As you sit at home today, because the world is in lockdown, is it causing you to think about perspective at all? Is it causing you to sit back and say, this is a little bit more fragile than I ever saw before? And my prayer is, and I believe it is providential for the church and for our country and the world, what is the more? What is this all about? And friends, if you know Jesus today, I mean, if you've experienced the rest that I'm talking about today, 
my great confidence is that there is people all around you today that are bunkered down in their homes and they're terrified. They long for this rest, they long for this peace, and they want to know where it is. You have the answer. And I encourage you in this season, uh, boldly share the good news because this good news sets us and so many people absolutely free and helps us understand what the true good life really is. But what do you believe that the more is today? Jesus tells us, remember, uh, evaluate, think about this, because going with the flow is very, very easy. And I want to encourage you, if you're there, it's okay. But no, let's encourage each other. Let's go a different direction. In Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods, he shares six questions to uh, evaluate. And I want to, I want to read those to you guys today. And you'll find a lot of this on your screen, so follow along. Uh, the first question he writes is, um, as you evaluate your life to figure out what do you believe the more is or how are you living in a way that this is your belief because you are operating from a place of belief, what do you worry wo- most about, number one? What is your number one worry? What do n- Second one, what do I rely on or comfort myself, w- or comfort myself with when things go badly or become difficult? Number three, what makes me feel the most self-worth? Or what am I most proud of? Number four, what do I really want and expect out of life? Or what would really make me happy? What would make you happy today? Number five, where do my uncontrollable emotions show up? When do you get most upset? Number six, some of you are like, football game. (laughs) Number six, uh, what unanswered prayer has embittered you toward God if you have those? Now, what do your answers surround? What kingdom is it really about? Jesus gives us a therefore upon evaluation. So everybody gets the moral of the story that Jesus tells. Hey, listen. You can live your life, build your barns, get them right where you want, and finally get to the place where you're like, oh, I'm I'm ready to finally start living, right? (laughs) Retirement, come on, baby. And you get to the place and you don't even get to enjoy what you set out to enjoy. You built this life and you actually never got to where you sought to get to. We understand the moral of that story. But Jesus is a therefore. And you always need to understand as we read the scriptures, if there's a therefore, you got to understand why it's therefore. So Jesus gives a therefore in verse 22, and he says this, and he said to his disciples, because of this story, and you understand it, every one of us does, really in perspective, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, nor about your body and what you're going to put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And skip down to verse 29, and he says, and do not seek... Don't go after, don't seek what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor be worried. He says it again. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. That is so reassuring. You know that God knows what we need today. What does it add if we worry our life away? What does it really bring to us? Does it bring us anything? 
Your father knows that you need them, but instead, here's, here's, a, great, here's a, a great call that Jesus gives the church. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. That means if you care about the right thing, if you actually go after the right destination, you'll end up taking the right directions. Jesus encourages us, if you forsake this kingdom here, the one that everyone's trying to build up, like the game of Monopoly, if you are to let go of that kingdom and go after his, it seems counterintuitive that you're going to lose your kingdom. You're going to lose everything. But in what Jesus is saying is if you go after the kingdom of God today and you are not trying to build your own kingdom, but you're trying to build the kingdom of God, then everything else that you need will be taken care of because your Father knows what you need today. He continues on, and I want to close with this today. Verse 32 through 34, he says, Do not be afraid, little flock. One of my favorite verses in all of the scriptures. I, I love his verbiage as he says that. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do you know God wants to give you His kingdom? Not just monetary possessions, not just what you need. He wants to give you His kingdom, His authority, His power, and He wants to live and move through you today. He wants to give you the keys of His kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In a day where everyone, I believe, everyone is hunkered down uh, and desires to preserve a kingdom that they have worked very, very hard for, what will you do? What is the call for the church today? Jesus says in a day where everyone says, store up, store up, store up, store up, hold back, hold back, hold back, build, 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 preserve. He gives them a radical, radical prescription. He says, sell your possessions and give to everybody who needs. That's the king that we serve. And I want to encourage you with this today. In a world where everyone is terrified because they're not going to have enough, I promise you, friend, go after the kingdom of God. And he says, I'll take care of everything you need. Let's take care of the people who have need. And I promise you, uh, they probably live right next door. And uh, if I want to encourage you, if you want to make a difference today in the lives of many people, because this will be counterintuitive, this will be counterculture, uh, if you press out and begin to give away versus let's hoard and store up. And I promise you, friends, you are not alone and we're in this together and you've got support and you've got a family of people who love and care for you. So if you need help, reach out to us. Don't do this alone, and you weren't meant to. So I, I, want, I want to end with this discussion today. If, if you're with your life group, you're with your family, with your friends, wherever you are, let's have a discussion today. Let's end by having some, some lunch or breakfast and a time of prayer together and a discussion. But what does it look like for you personally to go after the kingdom of God? What does that really look like? And in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to continue to unpack what this actually looks like. And today, if you need to know Jesus, I want to encourage you, shoot a DM to us, let us know, ask questions, and we're here for you in this time where it can feel very, very uneasy. 
um, and just know that you are not alone and there is good news that is available to you. You have an invitation in your life today. And if you want to make a difference and begin living in a way that uh, building money bags that actually do not uh, corrupt or leave, um, let's seek the kingdom of God together. And I promise you, He's waiting to move through you today. And that's our great promise and great expectation in these days. This is a story that helps us understand how to live in a kingdom um, of, of God today. Uh, I love you, friends, and so excited for this time. Let's have that discussion today. What does it look like for you personally to go after the kingdom of God together? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for my family and my friends, and thank you for what an opportunity that we have. God, you, I believe you've allowed something to happen that sets a stage, God, for the church to really shine today, for your hands and feet to really begin to move and actually minister to hearts and souls all around our city. So God, would you give us your eyes that we might see every opportunity available right in front of us? And God, might we take courageous, bold moves to actually do something um, that others may not be willing to do? God, may we risk the kingdom that we think that maybe we've built for ourselves when in fact you've gifted it to us that we might be a blessing. Thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing. Now, Lord, open our eyes to the opportunities. Send us from this place. And we love you, King. Jesus, amen.